On today's episode, you're going to hear from my dear friend, Christy Torres. Christy is a licensed LMFT and works with both children and adults. Christy works with one of the local school districts to provide counseling for kids who meet certain criteria. Christy also has a private practice in which she provides counseling services to adults. Listen as we chat about how COVID has affected people's mental health, as well as some tips and tricks to cope with this worldwide phenomenon. Enjoy. Do you love beauty? Do you love supporting local business? Two Beauty Skin and Makeup, located in the heart of Old Town Eureka, is your one-stop destination for all things beauty on the North Coast. They offer clinical skincare services, chemical peels, waxing, and professional makeup application from licensed and experienced professionals only. Two Beauties also carries a large selection of high-end makeup and skincare products like Gian Marini, Glow Skin Beauty, Kula, and Oma Beauty, just to name a few. I have been going to Two Beauties for over two years now, and I will never go anywhere else. They are professional. Their salon is extremely well-kept, sanitary, and relaxing. I suffer from extremely dry skin, and they were able to recommend a combination of products that has completely rejuvenated my skin. I now have that dewy look I crave, and my skin is hydrated and feels amazing. Self-care is of the utmost importance, so let Two Beauties pamper and take care of you. Easily shop gift cards and all your beauty needs at www.twobeauties.org. That's T-W-O beauties.org. Or find them on social media at Two Beauties Eureka. Love beauty, shop local. Two Beauties in Old Town Eureka since 2016. Two Beauties is offering listeners 10% off one purchase with code cheers to your health at checkout. That is cheers to your health with no spaces at checkout for 10% off one purchase. Cheers to your health. Welcome to Cheers to Your Health, Christy. I am incredibly excited about this episode in particular because we are going to be talking about mental health and some of the effects that you have seen in your work since COVID first began. And I think this conversation just feels very timely as it's, we're, you know, we've already hit the one year mark of COVID. So I just think it's very timely and I cannot wait to hear what you have to share with us. So we're just going to jump in. So you have worked in the mental health field for a while now. So can you explain to the listeners what exactly it is that you do? Yeah, so thanks for having me, Ashton. I've loved being on here. Um, So I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. And so what that means is um, I work with, um, I've mostly worked with children. And so um, I work with children, families, adults, parents, um, in helping them figure out what's going on in their life that they want to improve, some things that they may be struggling with, and then we work to improve those things. So specifically right now, um, I work within my, my full-time job is within the school setting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I work with students that have special education, so K through 12, okay. uh, that have special education and their mental health is impacting their access to their special education. Okay. Um, so something is going on at school that's not letting them kind of do their best there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I also have a private practice. So I work um, in, in that setting. I like to work with adults because it's just a change from working yeah. with uh, kids. Yeah. Um, and that's generally in the office setting. Now with COVID, it's been online too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess with the kids, it's actually at school, at home, in the community. I kind of just try to reach out to them wherever, you know, wherever I can. Wherever you can. Okay, awesome. And I think that's why, that's one of the reasons, just one of the reasons, I'm so excited to talk with you because you do have that wide variety, like you're working with both kids and adults. And so I think that's obviously one of the reasons I'm so excited to talk to you about this because you have obviously seen the effects on both of those populations. So I think that's just going to be really, really awesome. Um, So you did mention this. So with everything having to be socially distant and via video conference, how have your patients or clients, like how have they reacted to that? I guess maybe if you want to go back to when you first had to make that switch and how everybody kind of had to pivot to video conferencing and things like that. Yeah. So when um, COVID first started, I specifically remember because my birthday is this past year it was Friday the 13th of March <laughs> and I had a lovely birthday yep. and it was um, that Sunday that at least here in Humboldt County um, the news came out that because of COVID they were shutting down um, mm-hmm. the schools and at first some schools said like two weeks some said a month um, and so from that I guess it was like Monday the 16th was when my job completely switched to um, online or um, over the phone. Okay. And so I would try to, and and at first it was a lot of like in the mental health field, what we call like case management of just trying to um, figure out with, with all the families I work with, if they have um, access to computers, to Mm -hmm. tablets, um, to internet um, (laughs) because we immediately knew internet was going to be a huge thing that all kids would need reliable internet at home, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was a lot of just figuring out what people needed. Some kids were like, yeah, it's like summer break. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some kids were super excited about it um, before we really realized what it would mean for us. What's going on, yeah. And... um, So, and like generally for some people, it worked out great doing things online um, or Mm -hmm. over the phone. Um, Some people just, it it was fine, you know. Um, And for some therapists too, they're, who do more traditional talk therapy, like it was okay to do things like on, you know, Zoom or whatever platform you were using Mm -hmm. um, or over the phone. And for others, it was a little harder, like Mm -hmm. some therapies require like like I'm thinking of EMDR yeah um requires you to have like some have like certain tools that you use to do the buzzing or whatnot right Mm -hmm. um and I would say for the for the more higher functioning people um Mm -hmm. more well-resourced people yeah uh, both adults and kids it it was actually okay you know I had some clients that don't really have privacy. Um, like I'm thinking of a, of a mom who lives in a one-bedroom apartment with her two kids. 
Mm-hmm. Where is there the space, and to young kids, you know, where is it the space to talk about childhood uh, yeah. sexual assault trauma? Like <laughs> that, yeah. there was no place for her, right? Yeah. So we kind of pivoted to discuss other things for mm-hmm. some time until it was safer for us to meet in the office with masks, with the yeah. window open. Um I know some of some of my colleagues would do therapy like outdoors at a park and like okay. you know try to have as much privacy confidentiality as you can but yeah you know with some especially the people who have like higher needs or are at higher risk for like self-harm or suicide mm-hmm. we had to find creative ways to see them in person yeah so you you mentioned, and I know it was kind of, it obviously was a big concern for kids were involving how are you going to be able to connect with them if it's, and especially I'm thinking of more of like a lower income population if you're looking at people who don't have access to those resources and things like that. So in regards to having to like get creative, how did you, or I mean, and I don't want to put that on you, but I guess the school district in general that you kind of work for, um, how did they ensure that you were still being able to contact those kids that you're supposed to be working with, if that makes sense. Uh, so like within like my supervisors and my, my colleagues, we, you know, would met, we would meet on zoom to try to, you know, all come together to think of these creative ways to work with families. Mm -hmm. And I guess they just were really supportive to us in, in helping us think of, of ways to, to have the families just have the resources that they needed for school and counseling. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, there was grants that came out to help the uh, schools get more Chromebooks if they needed mm-hmm. them. Um, where where I work, we had some Chromebooks that we were able to, um, you know, loan out to kids. Um, I helped several families um, apply for, like, Different internet companies came out with, um, like, certain packages mm-hmm. that were, like, free for a few months. You know, because it came out, it happened in March, so some com- internet companies gave free internet until, like, June. And then okay. after that, it was going to be, like, 5 or $10 a month or something like that, right? Okay. But it was also difficult that you had to apply online for that. So then I would have to. Yeah. So you know. yeah. Good Lord. <laughs> so being on the phone with people and trying to fill it out for them. And, oh, my gosh. You know, just, and, and especially something I, I, so I'm bilingual. I speak English and Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I really like, part of my passion is working with the Spanish-speaking community. Yeah. And so I was actually, like, assigned a case, not necessarily to do therapy, but just more case management because they were having um, trouble getting internet and being able to communicate with the school effectively. So they kind of just added me in there to help them, um, you know, kind of get things figured out. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's so great. I think you're obviously such a huge asset to the school district simply because of that. We do have a fairly decent sized Spanish speaking population in parts of this County. So I think I just love that you're able to utilize that skill that you have and that you're able to do that. I think that's, that's really, really great. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and I feel super supported because I think I, I am the only Spanish speaking therapist where I'm at. 
And that that's great. I love it. But in some agencies, it can feel like like you're taken advantage of because of that skill, gotcha. you know? Yeah, so yeah. It's good to, yeah, I love where I'm at right now. Good, good. Um, so a lot of therapy is based off of being able to actually physically sit with someone, gauge their body language, and have them be comfortable enough to share things with you and talk to you. So has the distance or the, you know, socially distant protocols has that posed any challenges, I guess, on your end in trying to connect with your clients at all? Both yes and no. People are so different. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so some, some of the students I worked with just refused to turn on their camera. I mean, if you think of someone with anxiety, mm-hmm. they're not going to want to have their camera on. Like yeah. this is such a – it was such a weird thing to all of a sudden have to switch – to everything's on Zoom or Google Meet or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Um, so it definitely made it difficult when the students didn't want to have their camera on. But you have to, you know, acknowledge that that's kind of their comfort right now. Hopefully yeah. move towards being able to see them so that I can read some of those cues that, that you take from from seeing people's body language, like even mm-hmm. all the nodding that you're doing right now, right? It lets me know yeah. you're attention yeah. to me. Yeah. And when I'm, I'm talking and I'm seeing a black screen with like their yeah. initials, <laughs> it's yeah. tough. But um, yeah. Are you still there? Are you listening to me <laughs> at all? <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, because oh, then I'd hear from kids like, oh yeah, I just mute the mute myself and then put the volume all the way down and that's how I'm in class and I was like I know your ways (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) Um, but then for some people it it was really cool to get a sense of what their home life is like Mm. you know like um being able to see like their pets or for them to share, oh, what's that painting behind you? And then they share like a a story about what that means to them, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And then I I think what was like a a positive thing about um, us moving to online is that, you know, in Humboldt County, there's like a shortage of mental health professionals. Like, Oh, yeah. You can call so many, and sometimes they don't call you back because they're full or, yeah. you know, they – it's – but now with so many of them being online, like, mm-hmm. you can reach out to a therapist anywhere in California if you're yeah. in California, right? Yeah. So it kind of opened the door for just having a lot more service providers. Mm-hmm. Um, so people just have a lot more access to it, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's – that I will say that appears to be one of the positive things is that because I know even when I've worked in my many jobs, like I used to work for probation and it was like people wanted therapy, people wanted to talk to someone, but then it's just like the lack of, like you said, like the lack of providers here specifically in this county were very rural. Um, so having that lack of those, the lack of service providers, but yet you have this really high needs population and not being able to meet all those needs. So I, I would agree that's, that is really great now that it did at least open up that door. And I think for some people, I would think maybe it would be a little easier for some people to do it like this, how you and I are doing a podcast right now. Like maybe this would be more comfortable for some people than sitting in a room with someone at first. 
before you mm-hmm. get to, you know, so I can definitely see both sides of, of what you're saying. So, um, so obviously you've talked about this part of your work is with kids and in the school system. So what is the biggest challenge that the kids that you have been working with, or just kids in general, if you can kind of make a general statement that you, so what is the biggest challenge that kids are facing during COVID-19 during this pandemic? So I'll start with saying what I'm not so worried about. Okay. And that I hear people being very worried about the academic, the Mm -hmm. learning loss, Mm -hmm. the, you know, they're not like getting the best education and like learning their math or learning English or history. It's like, I am not worried about that because we are in a global pandemic we've never had anything like this happen in our lifetimes like let's yeah. not worry about that yeah um so what what i think is is one of one of the biggest things i've seen is just that normalizing of social isolation um okay. so a lot of the a lot of the if you want to think of it in terms of like um diagnoses depression mm-hmm. and anxiety they're like yeah. sisters and um that's a lot of what i i work with in both adults and children mm-hmm. um and a lot of like the symptoms of anxiety and depression are kind of what we were told to do for a long time stay home <laughs> yeah <laughs> um you know, you can't go outside, like, you can't go to the meetup with your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, everything you touch, like, sanitize, wipe down, like, especially yeah. at the beginning, right, when we didn't know as much of, oh, yeah. of how you can contract it. So it was like, it was just to, to people that were already wanting to just, like, stay home and not talk to anybody and have that yeah. anxiety of, like, talking to other people. It was just like, oh, my gosh, yay. Right? Okay, now they have now they have a legit <laughs> reason to do all of those things. Yeah. And yeah. so it was like, if, if you prolong that first, like, oh, you know, there's no specific amount of time, but it's just going to make things worse when you do have to go out in yeah. the world and do things. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the the biggest challenge I think for kids is that social isolation and, and um, just how much you learn as a kid through your peers or um, how sometimes being physically at school is the time that they're going to have um, access to healthy food or access to caring adults. Mm -hmm. Um, Like for those, those kids, it was, it was really tough. Like, I had some kids that I didn't actually make contact with for like two months. <laughs> and I was just so worried about them because they might not yeah. have such a great home life, you know, yeah. and having to be there 24 seven. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I think, and I mean, as much as people maybe don't like to think about it for some kids, school is an escape from mm-hmm. whatever's going on. Um, and for them to all of a sudden not have that, uh, I think is, that's a big deal. And mm-hmm. just like you said, access to healthy food, access to like all of these things. And I think as as much as adults like to, you know, go on and on about how hard COVID is and how, oh, we can't travel and oh, we can't like 
all valid stuff. It's all frustrating and I totally get it. But I think uh, they might've kind of missed the part about when you're a kid, the majority of your life is school. You know, like that's where you spend the, it's like how adults generally spend the majority of their work, their time at work. Kids are spending the majority of their time at school. And so to all of a sudden have that be taken away is I can only imagine, I mean, obviously I'm not in school right now, but I can only imagine that that was really difficult. And like you said, just kind of exacerbating the issues that they're already struggling with, depression, anxiety, and those things. Um, so I can only imagine having to deal with all of that at the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, that that Zoom fatigue, yeah. too, like, yeah. oh, I can't imagine, like, it just, for kids to be online schooling for so many hours of the day. I was just yeah. like, oh my goodness, you know? Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, I have a couple friends that are teachers and it's generally with younger kids. So obviously it's different. I know you're working with older children as well, like high school kids. Um, mm-hmm. But just the amount of time that they, like in when times that I've talked to them and just they're talking about how much of their day is spent on Zoom, even for these young kids. I'm like, are they even paying attention at that point? Like you're making a first grader sit in front of their screen. Like first you complain about screen time and then you make them sit in front of a screen. I get <laughs> I get we don't really have other options and I I'm not condemning any of that. I think it's, you know, schools had to pivot really quickly and come up with something and I totally get that. But I'm also like that's a lot for a kid to just be sitting and staring at a computer screen all day. Like even adults don't really like doing that and that's their job, you know? So it's just, I agree. That's, I mean, I can, that's crazy. I have to sit in a meeting for like two hours and I'm like, "Mm, okay, (laughs) I'm done. No more, no more. I'm I'm, I'm over it. I turn my camera off too. So I totally get those kids that do that. (laughs) But um, So if you were to offer any tips to parents to better support their kids during this time and during all of this, I mean, as best they can, because I'm sure adults are going through stuff too. But what would, if you could offer any tips to parents for their kids or to better support their kids, what would that be? Uh, Number one, reduce expectations. Mm. Um, Like, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, there's like all those like tips to like, you know, do, do better in school, although it's online or like, it's like, yes, school is important, but learning your math or whatnot is not as important right now if you're struggling with Mm -hmm. your mental health, right? So like, yeah, if, if you see that your child is having to do like three hours of homework after going to um, school on Zoom all day. Like, mm-hmm. do they really need to do that? Talk to their teacher and let them know what you're seeing. If they're, you know, really giving it a, a try and it's taking them so long, then talk to their teacher and be their advocate and mm-hmm. say like, this is not working for them. Like yeah. we, we all of a sudden ask parents to be teachers, Right. And like you need to go to college and do learn all these skills to be a teacher. But then all of a sudden we ask these parents to be teachers. And so Mm -hmm. learn like be okay with like you not knowing how to do all of these things. Yeah. um, And reduce those expectations on them if it's like too much for them. Yeah. Talk to the teachers um, and just figure out what works best for them. Mm -hmm. You know, if maybe they have like 
five different classes a day. Ask if there's one that they could drop mm-hmm. or, you know, just something to help them not be so stressed. And I think also take note of all the things that that they're learning at home. Like, you know, if you are cooking together, if you're cleaning together, baking, gardening, like those are all great learning opportunities for them, you know? Absolutely. So mm-hmm. to recognize that and not just feel like, oh my God, we're just doing nothing all day. Like there's some things you can do together so that even if you're yeah. asking for less class time, they're still learning, using their brains, kind of exploring mm-hmm. the world and yeah, within the home. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, obviously I'm not going to make a blanket statement speaking of all teachers, but I feel like right now with everything that's going on, I feel like teachers are probably a little more willing to work with families and work with like what you're saying, like, oh, three hours of homework for my kid after sitting on Zoom for six hours is not working for me and my family. And But mm. being able to communicate that and explain that. And like you said, I mean, I know everyone makes jokes about like, oh, you know what I didn't learn in school? How to do my taxes, how to do <laughs> like really basic things that you have to do as an adult. And it's like, now as frustrating as COVID has been for everyone, like maybe now is the time if you have kids to start teaching them those things that you don't learn in school, you have all this extra time with them. So you might as well be doing something at home. Like you said, whether that's gardening or anything like that is, I mean, number one, it gets them away from the screen, which is kind of nice. And it's just opening up other avenues, I feel. So that's, that's definitely good. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, it, and I also just want to have, like, show empathy for teachers. Like, mm-hmm. they had, they were not trained in doing school fully online either. No, and, no. you know, they're trying to figure out what works best for kids in this platform. Um, we're all just kind of trying our best. Yeah. Yeah. And. And also, like, for parents, it's okay to get super annoyed with your kid and want to leave the house. And if you can find a way, like, if you've got another, like, family in your pod, like, pick a night every couple weeks or whatever works for you to send them away and just, like, I don't know, watch TV or do your nails, whatever you want to do for yourself. (laughs) Do something. Yeah. Yeah, we were not meant to be together. All the time. (laughs) No, absolutely not. And I think I just, I really enjoy those things you brought up, like expectations, number one. You hear all of this, like, all of this talk about how, like you said, my kids are missing out on their education. And, but it's like, you know what? If at the end of this, you survived, like literally, I think that's all we can ask of you. And (laughs) if your kid learns a little bit, over this past school year that's awesome and if not like it'll it'll pick up and I feel like I also think sometimes adults underestimate kids or underestimate like how much they pick up and how much they learn because I'm like I don't I mean I have a friend who's a first grade teacher and she was talking about this and she's like she was all don't get me wrong I love my job and I love teaching first grade but is this the foundation and the things that I'm teaching them right now is that make or break like Are they not going to have their dream career because in first grade they did not get, she's like, no, it's fine. (laughs) Like I give them coloring pages and I give them, uh, you know, it's just, so I, I do like that you said that like the expectation part of things is like, it's okay. You're just, 
you're having to balance all of this stuff. And I can only imagine like the families that have multiple kids and all these different grade levels and trying to manage their schedules. And all, it's like, I, I commend parents. I commend teachers. I commend everyone having to deal with all of this at the same time. Like it's, mm-hmm. I can only imagine. Like having multiple like Zooms going on throughout your house. Yeah. <laughs> and then like your, your bandwidth goes down. I don't know how that stuff works. I don't know why I use that word. I don't know it. But, <laughs> but it's, no, it's crazy. My, like my supervisor has they have like five kids and all of her kids and they're all different ages. And so all of her kids are trying to do school and we're trying to hop on a work meeting. And she's like, sorry guys, I'm going to have to call in on my phone. Cause my internet's not working. <laughs> like I have so many kids online. I can't do this. I'm just like, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah. obviously don't have kids yet, so I, I don't have to personally deal with any of this, but I've seen like <laughs> some of the effects from friends and other people that have kids that are like, this is insane, you know? So mm-hmm. Or when you see your coworker muted because they're, like, yelling at their kid or something. (laughs) Yep. I have a friend who she said that right now at work – I don't work with her any longer, but she said at work they try to have these, like, every other week meetings just to kind of touch base. It's a Zoom meeting, but just trying to touch base. And she said there's this one – gentleman who has two pretty young kids and she said without fail like every single meeting he'll be talking and then all of a sudden you hear his kids start screaming and he all of a sudden is like gotta go and turns it off and just runs and they're like should we call him like do you think he's okay like I don't I guess he's okay you know so it's just all sorts of crazy stuff is going on but um so okay so do you so because you work with kids and adults, I'm going to ask this question, but do you feel that there is a certain age group, I guess, that has maybe been more significantly impacted by COVID in regards to their mental health, or are you seeing effects between, or I guess, across all age groups? Um, I think the people that that are most impacted would be those that are like in very high risk groups for getting like severely ill through COVID. So they have like mm-hmm. completely closed off from yeah. family and friends or support groups. And mm-hmm. um, so that's what I think is like the group that's the hardest hit. Um, and then like, like I work with a student whose parent has a, a, a pretty significant health issue mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know I it didn't hit me for a long time but at some point the mom was like you know you're the only person this that my you know child has seen in like eight months or something because this kid was wow. so um you know high high needs and high risk in their mental health that I was going to the house um, okay. and we would go outside for walks Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the only, I was the only person other than their, the people in their home that this student was seeing for like eight months at that point. Wow. I'm like, what does that do to you? You know? So yeah. I would say those people that definitely need to close off. Cause I think a lot of people found creative ways to stay in touch with friends and family. And that oh, was yeah. very important for people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For a while at the beginning, I was thinking of like older people who aren't as experienced in um, like computers and Technology, stuff. But I feel yeah. like that yeah. was that was probably a difficult hurdle, but not not like I feel like a lot of people were able to somehow figure out a way to to make technology work for them. Yeah. 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 I would agree. I mean, I know my 
most of my extended family is in North Carolina, but even my grandma who don't quote me on this, but I think she's like around 80. I want to say it's probably bad that I don't know that, but I, I think she's around 80 years old, but she got an iPhone and can now FaceTime. So that's a huge thing. Like, because, <laughs> and I understand what you're saying though, because for her, like she does have some medical stuff going on. And so she was literally, and she's older. So she's like a higher risk population. So she was only seeing my aunt, my uncle, and one of my cousins. Like that was it for, I would say probably like the past year until she got her phone and could do all this. But that, that was really it. And so I, it is, I mean, I would call her and talk to her, but it's, it's not the same as like mm-hmm. seeing someone's face and being able to talk and, you know, be animated and do all of that. So yeah, that being is, able to see someone in person, whichever way like works for you, just masked or distanced or, um, you know, whatever way, but being able to see people is super important. Yeah. And I think, I feel like that's something that maybe we came to like under appreciate because I mean, you know, everyone's like, everyone's into their phones and everyone's doing all this, but then this happened and we're like, oh my God, I need people. (laughs) Like I need someone besides who is also in my house. Like Mm -hmm. I love my husband, but I need to talk to someone else. Like I can't, you know, and my cat, I mean, I have a bunch of cats, but I can only talk so much to them so you know it's like I you need you did have to be creative and come up with you know like find your pod of people that like you trust and you know that you're only gonna hang out you know what I mean like you had to do all of these things so I I definitely I could see that my my favorite creative way to do therapy with children was so I have a a Honda Fit so it has a hatchback right and it rains a lot in Humboldt County yeah. <laughs> so um, I would park in front of their house. I would have the hatchback <laughs> open. They would sit on like the bumper of my car. Okay. And I had like a golf umbrella. So they're really big. Um, and I would <laughs> stand further back. Right. So that they're covered from like the hatchback thing. And I'm like oh with gosh. an umbrella. You're and that's how we ther- would do therapy. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, you gotta do what you gotta do. And I commend you for doing that because when it rains here, it is cold. So. Oh, oh yeah. I'm good wearing job. my boots. I've got my sweater. I've got my big old jacket. And your <laughs> and mask. mask. And you're like, yep. You're like, hey guys. Oh my gosh. Well, good job. You're creatives. So that see, it works. You gotta make it work. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So, uh, kind of along those same lines, what do you think the long-term effects of whatever quarantine, isolation, COVID, whatever you want to call it, like, what do you think that those long-term effects will be on individuals? I think that normalizing isolation, um, is, is a really, is a really big issue of kind of these long-term effects. So Mm -hmm. I hope that in the, you know, I feel like we've got that you know, that spark in the future with vaccinations and whatnot. So I hope that that will kind of go away. But yeah, Mm -hmm. a lot of people are getting used to not having like a big network of support. And that's, that's pretty scary. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Because we all need our community, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever that may look like for you. And it's great to have it online if you can't, but just there's something about being in person that is it's it 
feeds you more. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we kind of joke about, well, my husband and I joke about like, he's very, we've always joked like, oh, he would be totally fine sitting in a house forever. And he, you know, has his like video game and his cats and he's like, good to go. He's totally fine. Uh, Whereas I am much more like social butterfly. I want to see everybody and talk to everybody and I want to do all these things. And, but even I will say after a year, I think even he's like, "Um, I mean, it might be nice to to go somewhere like it might be nice to have people at our house again like maybe you know so I'm like "Hmm, okay like I I think you just kind of see like these even people that are not normally super super social are kind of like oh it might be kind of nice to see people again so Mm -hmm. I I do think that's interesting and I like the point that you made earlier about people that already struggle with anxiety or already struggle with those aspects of being social. And I'm like doing that in quotation marks of like seeing other people and having those interactions. Um, I feel like now it's, and I don't want to like misspeak or sound insensitive, but I feel like now it's kind of like an excuse for them to be like, Oh, well now I have to stay inside my house and now I can't go out anywhere. But then that's just kind of compounding all of these effects and it's just going to keep, you know, perpetuating that cycle. So like you said, I hope, I feel like there is hope on the horizon (laughs) with vaccines. It would be nice if our county could maybe move a little faster, but you know, we're, we're stuck where we're at and we're, you know, we're trying. So. Mm -hmm. Or, you know what I've, I haven't come across this like, like personally with the clients I work with, but sometimes I think about like, you know, you, you try to be as cautious as you can and be, you know, COVID safe, but things, you know, sometimes you don't know how you got COVID. You don't know that you had COVID and then you might've gotten people sick and they might've died. And that just, I feel like that guilt and, or shame if you unknowingly gave it to someone and they got really sick or that they died, just, well, that'll, that'll stay with you for a while. You've, yeah. And that's a lot, especially like, I mean, I could only imagine if that were like someone in your family or someone like someone that was really close to you like that. Yeah. I can't even imagine. So that's like you said, like, just like the kind of those compounding effects. It's like you, when you first think about it, you're like, oh, maybe it's only going to affect this. But then when you really think about it, it's like, oh, no, but what about this? And then what about this? You know, all the what mm-hmm. ifs. But there are, mm-hmm. unfortunately, there are people that are having to deal with that. And it's just, it, it is very, very sad. So. Um, and that just so, feeds anxiety. Because anxiety well, exactly. is like and it just the like, fear it, of what could happen and thinking yeah. the most negative, like, worst thing that's going to happen. Yeah. So. Yeah. Ugh. It's just bad all the way around. <laughs> uh, so do you feel that, and I'm, I'm calling it the COVID era. So do you feel that the COVID era will change the future of mental health practice? Do you, do you think that it will have everlasting effects or long lasting effects? Yeah, I don't know how big, but I do know, <clears throat> like some of my colleagues prefer telehealth. And Mm. it's kind of, it it works for a lot of people. So I do think that some therapists will choose to stay more heavily in telehealth than they would have before COVID. Yeah. Um, 
which you know like we said is a good thing for in some ways um i also have uh, therapist friends who are like if i could live like in hawaii and practice with my license in california that's still a gray area in terms of legality (laughs) okay yeah like because you if i'm licensed in california i can only see people in california but what if i'm somewhere else (laughs) yeah Um, so has that has that been so you said it's kind of a gray area so that hasn't there hasn't been like a statement that's come out about that necessarily mm -mm. and there hasn't been any like case like legal cases case to law make it. Or, okay mm-hmm. interesting yeah All right. so <laughs> i know some people that are considering that um but i you know for like i mentioned before some modalities just really require being in person so yeah yeah so i mean i guess for you did like do you like the telehealth or do you still prefer like in-person interactions i like telehealth (laughs) that i can be at home yeah um and like i said for some people it works but you know within my private practice which is very small i only have about five clients i'm Mm -hmm. only seeing one in person okay and that's because most of the adults i see in my private practice are mostly well-functioning and it's um so it works for them and it actually for some works even better because you know with their odd work schedule or whatnot you know it's Mm -hmm. super easy to just even in your car you know use the the platform and do therapy from your car right Mm -hmm. um but for the kids that I work with and for the the people with more severe uh, mental health concerns, mm-hmm. um, I I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't not see them in person. Yeah. I sometimes was like talking to my supervisor and be like, "But what if I do it this way? Can I see them then?" <laughs> like because I wanted yeah. to, but you know they were trying to keep us safe too, and were yeah, asking absolutely. us to not do certain things, right? Um, and like I don't go into people's homes, right? But mm-hmm. I do see people outside I see them at school um Mm -hmm. I see them at coffee shops like yeah I think in person I still think that in person is is um much better okay it's it's more for me and the clients I see it's more the exception when it works way better for you online yeah and it's and I guess that's kind of a hard question too because like you said I think it is different for everybody like and I would assume, I mean, I feel like I assume with kids it might be better to be in person, especially right now if they're having to do lots of things on Zoom. I feel like that in person would probably be better just so they do have that. Um, But like you said, if it works better for someone to do telehealth and to do it just via video conferencing, then, I mean, so be it, you know. (laughs) And like you said, you get to do it from your home. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you can... As long as you got like a fancy top on, you could have like PJ pants on the bottom and no one knows. That's great. <laughs> um, so the, okay, so the next question, this actually a lot of these questions came from listeners. People were very excited about this topic. And so that's another reason I'm so excited to chat with you. So do you have any tips on how to not let the overwhelming anxiety of everything that is going on in the world how to not let that spill over 
into a person's personal life? Like, do you have any tips on how to maybe separate those things or yeah, anything you got? We're all listening. (laughs) (laughs) Well, personal life as opposed to work life? I guess it's maybe just how to not let everything that's going on in the world, like maybe how to not necessarily let that affect you in your home life or you in your I guess personal life could mean work too, just how to maybe not let all of that seep in and overtake you. Cause I guess maybe it's like you start to spiral if you start just thinking about everything that's going on. (laughs) But so maybe if there's any ways to kind of like separate that maybe. Well, I think definitely sharing your stress with someone. Mm -hmm. Um, So talking about it with your partner, with your friends, um, Because I think a lot of times we feel like, oh, my God, why is everybody else able to handle this? But I can't. When it's like, no, Mm. we're all freaking just hiding it as best we can, right? Yeah. Um, So sharing it with someone to help you know that you're not alone Mm -hmm. um, and to get that help. um, Sometimes we are, like, the hardest critics on ourselves. And I know I heard you with earlier guests talk about how you can be so hard on yourself, but you would never say something like that to a friend, right? You would never tell your friend, like, be so mean to a friend as you can be to yourself. So that's Mm -hmm. why sharing it with someone can help you normalize it and get that reality check that you're being way too hard on yourself. Um, Yeah. You know, um, also, like, accepting that this is a crazy time that we don't have a blueprint for how to do this the best way um so like I remember at the beginning of this like keep your same schedule and still get like dressed like you would and do your makeup or whatever Uh, no I was like in my pajamas like all the time (laughs) (laughs) and I like changed my schedule so I could sleep in more and just work later (laughs) so it's like there's all these tips like take take what works for you yeah right um ask for help too if you Mm -hmm. you know if you feel like you're are super overwhelmed or that anxiety is not letting you do the things that you used to be able to do or um like it's not letting you work or it's not letting you be there for your kids like you want to like you're way more irritable um or angry like oftentimes people think of depression as like you're so down, you know, you can't get out of bed, but it's also being very angry and irritable, Mm -hmm. um, super Mm -hmm. touchy, you know, like, like they can, you go from like zero to 10, like super quick. Mm -hmm. Um, so asking for help, um, if that means therapy, if that just means like a support group, um, moving your body, (laughs) whatever, movement makes you feel good um if that's running walking um going to your backyard and putting your bare feet on the grass that could be it for you you know doing Mm -hmm. something that that feels good for you like Mm -hmm. I do my nails and I love doing my nails and my art with my nails and that's what your nails always look so good and I'm always (laughs) like Christy where'd you go you're like I did these myself I'm like well geez Louise okay but yeah but at the beginning of the pandemic I was like well why am I gonna do my nails if no one's even gonna see them and I like for like months didn't do it and I was like 
you know, I feel sad. And it's, it, you know, this is kind of a, a lighthearted way to say it. But yeah, I yeah. noticed. I wasn't even doing my nails. And I'm like, I need to do this for myself because this makes me feel good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so knowing, I guess, those like your coping skills, what helps you feel good? Like if yeah. you used to do Zumba and like now you can't because you've got like all your kids at home and they don't even let you kind of relax for an hour. Yeah. Then put some of those same Zumba songs on and like dance away while you're cooking dinner, you know, yeah. It, yeah. even in like the, the smaller ways, it might not be what you want, but find smaller ways to find enjoyment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know so many people like, you know, preach about self-care and do all of that. And I think what's one of the crazy things about this pandemic has been for me, at least realizing that a lot of my self-care was still going out to do things. Like I would go get my nails done. I would have a facial every once in a while. I would hang out with my friends. I would go like for that. Those are the things that fill my cup. Like those are the things that make me feel really good. And just like everything else, as frustrating or annoying as it is, like you have to pivot. And like you said, like you have to find something else. So it's like, okay, I can't go get my nails done, but I found this little, this color street stuff that I just like stick the little stickers on my nails and now my <laughs> nails look like they're done. <laughs> like, you know, and it's still like, I would go, normally I would go sit in a salon for an hour and it's now I just sit at my house for, you know, 15 minutes while I do it. But it's time, like that's still time for me that I enjoy doing those types of things and like working out, like I still work out at home and I'm still able to move my body and I'm still able to, to do things like that. So like you said, I think it's the Zumba, like while you're cooking dinner, I think is a great example. And what you said, like it might not be exactly what you used to do, but everyone's had to make adjustments. So if you can find ways to still fill your cup and it might look a little bit different now, but to still find those things I think is just extremely, extremely important. Uh, yeah. For your sanity, for everyone's sanity. <laughs> mm -hmm. And like, even if, if um, some things that you need to do are not like COVID safest, you know, um, you've got to balance it with the effects it's having on your mental health. Like if, yeah. um, if you are have feeling so depressed that you like aren't able to go to work and like mm -hmm. aren't able to be there for, you know, whoever your, your yeah. people are. Mm -hmm. And so you're choosing to not see anybody at all. Like if, if you had to meet up with a friend because that's going to help you feel so much better, even mm -hmm. if it's not the safest thing. It's, it's just a balancing act of yeah. what is, what do you need, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's not saying like everybody should go out because I feel super stressed because I haven't seen my friends. No. That's going to be my excuse when I'm sitting there having a drink with my friend. I'm like, Christy said it's okay because I was stressed out. She said it was no. fine. <laughs> There's different no, levels. If yeah. you're considering suicide or like, you yes. know, like, Yes, we all know there's different levels. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, just to keep yes. that in mind. Yes. And I just go outside too. And I know yeah. this this is one reason that I was like, wow, I love being in rural northern California because yeah. 
going outside, you weren't, you don't have to be that close to people, you know, even in the parks, like you're not that close. Um, I have family in SoCal and Mm, like mm -hmm. saw was FaceTiming with them. And I was like, why are there so many people walking close to you? You know, but like, cause that's kind of the norm over there. Right. Mm -hmm. So were they're like, we're all trying to go for a walk for our sanity, Christy. Yeah. That's what's going on. You're, we're, we're doing part. what you're telling us. <laughs> I will say, I do, I do feel very fortunate. Like sometimes it is frustrating, I will use that word, to live in such a rural area, whether that be access to healthcare is not the greatest here. Or, you know, there's lots, there's lots of things that are kind of hard living in a rural community, but I definitely agree. I think living in an area like this, at least getting outside is one thing that we do not have to be worried or concerned about. Like there are so many places to go, you know, you can, you know, go to the beach, let's go hike through the woods. Let's go. Like there's so many places and like population compared to square footage of this County, like you can go somewhere (laughs) and you're not going to see anyone else. Like it's, you can still be safe, but I think getting outside is definitely really, really important. I know I try to walk my dog as much as possible and she likes it and it's nice just being outside. So I definitely, definitely agree with that. Mm. Um, so do you have any suggestions of resources that people can access if they are struggling or really need someone to talk to? I guess maybe just like a starting point for someone if they're realizing that whatever they're doing on their own is not quite enough and they need that extra help. Yeah. So if if you have a job and you have insurance through your job, sometimes they provide what's called EAP, so the Employment Assistance Program. Yeah. And what that provides is like counseling and like a variety of issues, like um, mm-hmm. financial, like vacation planning, I think, um, and you know, mental health counseling. So check if you have that, talk to your HR or whoever, you know, at your job is in charge of benefits and ask if you have that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because EAP is often for like, um, you know, shorter terms of six sessions. So if you just kind of need a boost, need to talk about like, what are my coping skills? So I'm not like super pissed at like my family every day. Um, Mm -hmm. Then you could do something like that. Um, If you feel like you want something that's more longer term, if you have insurance, um, call your insurance and ask them what your mental health benefits are. Um, Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times your insurance, physical health insurance will also cover mental health. Mm -hmm. But I think it's super important to call them and ask what what that looks like um because you know there's all these copay deductibles like maximum amount of visits so you i think it's yeah. always easier to go into counseling when you know that kind of stuff instead of saying like you know just calling someone and yeah uh, calling a therapist you know it's good to know what you have mm-hmm. available to you yeah um but like if you don't have insurance and can't go through that way or if like your deductible is too high or something there's also um the app-based mental health counseling so Mm -hmm. things like talk space or better better help um i haven't used those personally um but i do know i have a 
a school counselor I work with that she told me she's tried it and it was really good and she's uh, recommended it to some families because it's just much more um, uh, cheaper financially. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and like we said, for some people doing just chatting with Mm -hmm. your therapist is, you know, does it for you. Yeah. Um, So try those out and see if it works for you. Um, Yeah. Here in Northern California, we have the North Coast Association of Mental Health Providers. Yeah. Um, So you can go on their website and find a a therapist that would work for you. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also psychologytoday.com, which is just a bigger website. I think that's more of a national website to find a therapist. Um, Talk to your friends because a lot of times it might be easier to get in with a therapist if, like, let's say your friend has one and she's like, hey, my friend, hey, my therapist, my friend wants to see someone or do you have openings? That's sometimes, like, an easier way to get in with someone. Yeah. Um, Yeah, reach out to, if you're a parent, like, there's usually, um, you know, the the academic counselors can make referrals to people or can just kind of help you – think through a problem that you might be having or Mm -hmm. if your school has like a social worker you can Mm -hmm. always talk to them Mm -hmm. about you know if it's family issues you know that's what they're there for to help students and their families yeah um here in our community we have a lot of like um community resource centers so Mm -hmm. asking them like you know what would be a good way to either get like a support group um Oh, like we didn't even touch on this, but like support groups like AA or NA or um, Mm Al-Anon, now that's open anywhere, right? Because those have groups happening like every hour somewhere. Yeah. So, um, and especially in such a small community where like if you're going to a support group and you feel like, you know, well, I'm within this role at my job and I would feel weird to for someone yeah. else to know about, like, my personal trauma or something. Yeah. yeah. Go to a group in, like, SoCal or something, you know, where no one will know you, but it's no totally one's gonna fine. Know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Those are some awesome. Things. And then I think, so to kind of wrap up, I just want to, so speaking of all of those resources, like, those are all fantastic i've heard i know other podcasts i listen to do ads for those apps you were talking about you see mm-hmm. commercials for them so they're widely available um i guess just for to kind of like wrap this up i would you have any i guess advice or encouragement for people that still kind of view mental health like just the stigma that kind of surrounds reaching out for help or asking for help or anything like that like I mean, I know if you kind of like some people come from families where that's a very taboo thing, like you don't talk about your problems and you don't talk about what's going on and you don't, you know, there's like just the stigma about mental health in general. And so I guess like if you just wanted to speak to any of that, especially right now <laughs> with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I guess first off, you don't need to tell people if you're reaching out for help. You can keep it to mm-hmm. yourself. Um, yeah. I think it's always better to – It it's kind of like there's different levels of severity. So then there's yeah. different levels of care, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes all you need is to talk to a friend 
mm-hmm. go out for a walk or something, right? But then other times, like especially if you are considering suicide or if you mm-hmm. are, um, you know, doing self-harm, um, yeah. then you definitely need to tell someone that cares about you because, mm-hmm. you know, from suicide, there's there's no coming back from that. And you could yeah. have, you know, talked to someone and they would have tried their hardest to, to help you in some way. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you can keep it to yourself if you feel like you have some shame in it. And then I would hope that um, in working with a counselor, you would see that, you know, we're not like those cartoons of like, you know, psych- like the Freudian type of therapy. Like, that's yeah. not what it is. Um, yeah. And and also just I know this is what, what I heard this from one of your previous guests of like she asked for help and wasn't able to get it and had to ask and yeah. ask and ask. And it's like, yeah definitely like you you should advocate for yourself and hopefully you don't come across that but always advocate for yourself and also I think it's super important for people to know like in therapy you are the client we are working Mm -hmm. for you if Mm -hmm. your therapist says something that um deeply offends you like let them know and Mm -hmm. and talk it through because hopefully you know, we therapists have the skills to work through an issue like that. There's always bad therapists, just like there's bad everything, right? There's bad doctors. Oh, exactly. There's bad. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, if if someone's not working for you, find somebody else. Like you, mm-hmm. we are working for you. So um, if you are trying to reach out and then you don't like what you're coming across, look for another therapist and see if there's a better fit for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, I know... I guess it's like when you're working in the mental health field, like, I don't know, lots of people do ask, obviously I'm seeing the people that are asking for help, right? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Um, yeah. But, but yeah, it's like, if you need some help, like, then, then it's okay. Like, if you had a broken bone, you would have just tried to like set it yourself or something. Like, We are going through insane things in our life right now. And Mm -hmm. how does it make sense that we think that everybody should just be fine and handle this super well? Like, no, it's not a personal flaw. It's not a weakness. It's just you need help. Like, you don't make fun of people that have allergies because their body doesn't handle, like, grass. Like... (laughs) Yeah. It's just we're all made differently, right? Yeah. And then sometimes you can go to counseling for a little bit, and sometimes, you know, going for a longer term is better for you, and there's no shame in any of yeah. that. Yeah. Just having some compassion for yourself is super exactly. important. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I, yes, you just 100%, yes, you hit on all the things. And I think, I mean, I definitely like the whole shopping around, like that sounds weird, but like shopping around, like you said, like Mm -hmm. if one therapist is not working for you, then it's kind of just like any other relationship. Like you're just not going to jive with some people and that's okay. And Mm -hmm. like you said, like you're paying them so you can bring it up to them and have that discussion. But if it's not working, then don't feel like you're like, you're not married to them. Like you're not locked down, like go find someone else that you're going to benefit from and that you feel that you're getting what you need. And I just, if anything, like I do just hope that this conversation has helped like destigmatize that for people or the other episode that you're specifically talking about, like that was a horrible experience that she had to go through, but 
knowing, being able to value yourself enough that you're going to advocate for yourself to get the help that you need. And like you said, even if it's just you want, you need a couple sessions with a therapist to talk through whether that's one specific issue or if you want to do long-term, like you just want someone to talk to and someone to help you work through things. I think all there's value in all of that. And I do, I mean, it is 2021. I think there's less of a stigma up around that, but I think if anything, just talking about it more and, or if you don't, like you said, if you don't feel comfortable sharing it with anyone, there's no rule saying you have to tell anyone that you're going to therapy. Like, keep it between you and your therapist. That's fine, you know? And so I just, I do encourage anyone if you are, obviously, if you're struggling or you're needing someone to talk to, uh, Christy gave us a great list of resources. I will link the resources she talked about in the show notes. So hopefully you can just go click it if you need or want to talk about any of that. And I think that wraps it up. No, no, I had another thought. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, go for it. Go for it. I think it this is actually from personal experience. Um mm-hmm. reaching out when for help when you're not at your like most desperate mm. self. Yeah. So um like I, I was kind of going through some anxiety and I was like, no, I, just, I know all these skills. Like I do, I just need to do that. Right. Like, oh, yeah. I'm fine. and then all of a sudden, like I had a major panic attack and it was oh. like, um, then I was like looking through psychology today and I was like, I don't know who to pick. Like, how do I, yeah. how do I know if I'm going to like them? And so it's like trying to find help when you're at your kind of yeah. most anxious or most depressed. It's, it's tougher. Right. So yeah. If, if you just accept that you need some help and then, um, you know, reach out for it when you're not within that kind of darkest yeah. part, it's so much yeah. easier. And <laughs> it's so funny yeah. that I, I learned that the hard way. <laughs> but I, I think that's very, I think that is so telling. And like, I thank you for sharing that because I think that's very telling that even someone who works in that field is like, Because I think we talk ourselves out of a lot of things. And I think Mm -hmm. we, like you said, we care about other people sometimes more than we care about ourselves. And just that whole thought process of like, oh, no, I'm fine. No, I'm totally fine. I'm going to be fine. I know my own coping mechanisms. I'm going to be fine. I know my skills and I'm going to do this. But then you're like, okay, no, I'm not okay. (laughs) It's getting worse. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. And so I do, I, I agree with that. Like, if you're feeling off or you're just not feeling yourself, start looking for those resources now rather than what you just shared of where you're at, like your wits end and you're like in the middle of your panic attack, like, oh, maybe I should go talk to someone about this. Like that's, you know. <laughs> yeah, I and I was like, okay, I went out for a walk. Like, okay, I talked to my sister. Like, why am I still feeling this way? And it's like, yeah, because yeah. then, you know, you can't get in to see someone usually like right away, right? Yeah. I mean, there yeah. are crisis services available. So if you're, yeah. you know, at that point where you're a threat to yourself there. or others. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's so much, it just feels better to reach out and schedule when you're not at that darkest point because yeah I called I remember I called my primary care and they could have gotten me in within a month and I was like no that does not work for me but luckily I reached out to a friend who I knew was seeing someone and she 
had, you know, immediately texted her therapist and then told me, yeah, she's taking new clients. And so then Good. I just immediately like yeah. called and she got me in within the week. Oh, okay. So so there you go. That's like a great resource right there is if you know someone else is going to therapy, always reach out that way too. Like you mm -hmm. mentioned that that would be really good. It's sometimes an easy, yeah, an easy way to get in. Yeah. And you brought up another really good point. Just really quickly, I'll touch on this. I, so I just now, I know this is like bad on me, but I just now established like a primary care doctor here in this county. And, but they put a huge emphasis on mental health, like part of my patient screening when I went in was like a lot of mental health questions. And they're very much like when I went in, even with COVID, like I answered a lot of questions on the phone. But then when I went in to talk to the doctor, there was lots of just like, oh, like, how are you feeling about this? Like, do you need to talk to someone? And they have like tons of flyers on their walls about that. So I just think times are changing. And I think that even primary care doctors are can maybe refer you to someone or can mm-hmm. are maybe willing to work with you to do that. So that's even another resource. Like if you have a primary care doctor and you're comfortable enough with them to have that conversation, to ask for that type of stuff, that that's sometimes it can be another really great resource. Hopefully mm-hmm. it won't take a and, month and to get I've you in. And what I've seen from the primary care doctors here in, in Humboldt County is a lot of times they're more short-term therapy Mm -hmm. so maybe like up to eight sessions Um, and sometimes they do like more like every other week or once a month or something like that so I think that's a good kind of first step and that'll definitely and they do referrals too right so Mm -hmm. if you just already have that kind of trust and confidence in your primary care you are you know you're already a patient there that's a great way to kind of get in and if they Mm -hmm. you know do that short-term therapy then they can help you assess like no let's find let's refer you to someone who's a little longer term or like yep that was all I needed and maybe I'll come back for a tune-up in like you know a couple months or something right yeah yeah at least getting to that point where you're feeling back to yourself and you know stabilize maybe that's an okay word to say Mm -hmm. but where you're feeling like you can handle things and you're doing okay without mm. lying to yourself that you're doing okay and just <laughs> telling yourself that like you're actually doing okay. Mm. So that's, thank you. And I like, I do appreciate you talking that out because I think even like I said, like times are changing. It's 2021. It is much more commonplace now, but I think there is still some stigma around that. But, and again, I think you I thank you for sharing that like your personal experience that even you who knows who has these tools in your tool belt and you know all of these things but sometimes even that's not enough and like you need you need someone else's input or thoughts or like you need some you just need a little extra and that's that's okay there's nothing wrong with that and it's not a thing to be ashamed of nothing like that so I appreciate you taking the time to talk about all of that I appreciate all of your knowledge and your tips and tricks and just kind of your expertise in this field and just hearing all of this, I it was really, really great to get to talk with you. Oh, thank you. You're very sweet. <laughs> oh, okay. I appreciate well, you having me here. Oh, of course. And we will chat with you guys later. And like I said, I will link all of the resources that she suggested in the show notes. So if you are needing any of that or want to look at those resources, they will all be listed there for you. Bye, guys. To follow along with my health journey and to always be up to date with what's happening on the podcast, you can find me at Ashton Victoria on Instagram at A-S-H-T-Y-N-V-I-C-T-O-R-I-A.
Cheers to Your Health is co-produced by Chelsea Higgs. Original music by Sky Limit and sound mixing by Dark to Light Productions. Thanks for listening. Cheers to your health.